Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Radio. Yes, sir. All right. So where we discussed the book, um, you, uh, your debut book called The Plantation Education, uh, The Exploitation of the Modern Day Athlete Student. Um, you delve into a lot of stuff. Tell me more about the book. Um, the book really uh, just highlights the mentality. You know, uh, as we talked about before, there's a, uh, a lot of attention being put on right now with the topic of compensation in, in college athletics and talking about um, the NCAA and how it's always been a, a take advantage of type of situation. So I think with this book, it just really makes people question whether they're really doing anything about it or not. And I think that the solutions that we... Uh, we uh, share with, with the world in this book um, is also a just testament to seeing if anybody really, really, really want to do something about the big problem that's happening in sports right now. Mary Willingham uh, writes the forward of the book. Tell me more about that. Mary, um, she was an inspiration. She really is uh, the reason the, the book really is here. You know, um, the opportunity to be able to really get my voice out the way that I wanted, um, she gave me the opportunity to speak and come forward with outside the lines and um, really showing myself that I could do something that uh, is, is, is bigger than me. And um, I think that this is something that is a real milestone for me in my life. And, and I, I owe it all to, to Mary. Doing research in the book, <clears throat> it says, in the, I guess, the, the biography, it says, by comforting readers between the eyes with the truth of the generational slavery system, this controversial and necessary book calls for a social and academic overhaul that is desperately needed within the NCAA and university athletic system. Something that I've always thought was true, um, even before in the last 10 years, is a lot of times um, you have journalists or just authors who write books 
um, and telling your story. Um, but I think what you've seen in the last few years is you've seen athletes become the analysts, former athletes or even current athletes like a C.J. McCollum or uh, a Damian Lillard be more active and, and, and vocal. Do you think that the perception of many fans and people at large that are not in, in athletics is that you guys are dumb and don't know anything and does this break the stereotype? Um, I think that's been the stereotype for us for a long time. I think we've all been trying to dispel that that stereotype for a long time as well as trying to do other things. But um, you know, there's a lot of bias out there, as the world knows. There's there's certain uh, what you call it uh, discrimination. There's certain discriminations out there that just are realities that people don't want to discuss about and. You know, when you're dealing with that in sports, trying to get jobs at certain places and you're overqualified or they they expect you to already have millions of dollars and there's things that we deal with. So in the book, what we highlight is trying to get a sports education um, aspect uh, of education where we don't have to depend on our names or um, how far we got in the NBA or not. We actually have education behind it. We have validation behind it. And we have a certification behind it as if we put in the time and energy to, to get all of this information to be an expert in this field. So we don't have that as athletes. We have to get in where we fit in. We have to be friends with, with the owner and the coach. And we have to play the whole good old boy game just to get ahead. And I think that in this book, we give solutions where there's no more, you know, chucking and jiving to get a job. We actually want to create facilities where you are the expert. You've actually put in the work to know your shit. Here's a follow-up to that question. So we talked in the interview yesterday about um, Jay-Z, and he's my favorite rapper, hands down. Um, from reasonable doubt to 444, uh, he's, he's put out solid body of work. Um, it seemed as though last year when he put 444 out, it was an enlightenment. Um, comparatively, I don't know if you did. You ever read the book Forty Million Dollar Slaves by Bill Roden? Of course. Do you think that your book is is a is a? Do you think that his book is reasonable doubt to your four 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 with your book? Absolutely, absolutely, because you can never touch reasonable doubt. And I think that four 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 was just um, it's Jay's way of trying to help without helping. You know, because Jay can do sem- Jay could do seminars, Jay could do webinars showing people how to really do what the what the album depicts, how to really save your money, how to do X, Y, and Z. You know, Jay could be very involved with with creating a whole new economic space for our, our culture. Um, but you gotta want to be able to step into that space, and I think you know eventually he will because that's where he wants to go. But yeah, I feel like this book is definitely a four 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 to the forty forty million dollar slaves and and and. That's where I kind of got the concept of going in this direction. Hmm. When I was in undergrad, <clears throat> I did an independent study on um, the MBA from a cultural studies perspective. And I discussed how um, the MBA from 96 to 2004 um, embraced hip hop, but it didn't embrace it at first. You looked at Allen Iverson with the airbrush tattoos on Hoop Magazine, and then mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. brawl at the college changed the game. Um, 
<clears throat> and I use $40 billion slaves as my muse. Um, when you mm-hmm. look at $40 million slaves, at what point did you read the book? And what did you take from it? Um, my mom actually made me read the book. And um, immediately started to see what value that I had as an athlete. And I think this was around the time of 2007, 2008. Mm-hmm. When I had my big year in the NBA, and I was the only player on the team doing um, Black History Month PSAs. And uh, I think at the time, I was the only big guy on the team that wore tattoos. I had tattoos all over, and I think I was the only one. And I was getting certain type of treatment I got, you know, just for being able to step out like that. And, um, you know, as you, as you talk about the culture change around in, the, in that era, um, that goes back into understanding the value is we were starting to control the whole NBA and the culture of it. And so for them, they immediately stamped the dress code on us. And when they did that, that made everybody feel very uncomfortable about showing up to the workplace. No one really wanted to wear suits. No one really, really wanted to dress up. We just wanted to be us and show up and hoop. And I think that's how they did it from 96 to 2004. They didn't, it was no dress code. It was show up how you show up, you know? And, um, when they started to put that control level on the NBA, people fell in line right away. And that showed you that plantation as you kept, that, that plantation mentality still existed when they can implement their rules and regulations and make you change without any kind of hesitation or, or rebellion or, or, or any of that. When I hear you talk <clears throat> specifically about the tattoos and, uh, but then black history month, but then you're well read. It seems like a misnomer to people. You can't do both to some people. They may right. feel that way. I feel like right, you were right, at right. time in the sense of, you look at J.R. Smith, a guy who, you know, lived in the suburbs, uh, but played golf, but went to St. Benedict's prep school and, you know, just really mm-hmm. showed his book, book himself. Do you feel as though you set that tone for someone like Jr.? Like, where do you think you are in that in that order? <laughs> I mean, I guess a lot of the guys just looked at me as an example of where where not to go and, and the buttons not to push and the people you don't piss off. And I think when you do that and, and, and you take those examples from other people's failures, you can succeed. And I think Jr. being a young fellow, one of my young fellows that was supposed to go to Carolina. Uh, with me, but you know, he was too good. <clears throat> so he decided to go pro, but we've always kept in touch. So JR has always been one of those guys that's, um, had another level of thinking and I always wanted to give back and, uh, got a good heart and, uh, he, he's doing exactly what he's supposed to do and, uh, paving the way for guys like that that's been misunderstood their whole life and our whole career. It's a, it's an honor. When you look at just your book, to, to tie that back into uh, what we were talking about, um, I dig what you're doing, uh, particularly because I think the, the issue of identity is a thing that has kind of come full circle right now, um, particularly for black males. Uh, as an mm-hmm. example, uh, when I was in undergrad, I did an independent study uh, on um, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And what I did was I did an independent study where basically now the, 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 the assignment that I created was uh, the identity of a black male. And the identity of a black male, uh, I used the Fresh Prince because you had Uncle Phil, who was once Will, mm-hmm. but he made it. He moved mm-hmm. out of corporate America. Mm-hmm. Then you have Jeffrey, who's British, and, you know, they say you're either British or something else. And then you right. have Carlton, who grew up in the suburbs all his life and was perceived white. And then you had Will, who was from the hood, moved to the suburbs, 
and he acculturated and assimilated and made things cool at the same time. Do you yeah. think, where do you fit in that landscape? Do you, do you identify with Will? Do you identify with Uncle Phil? Do you identify with Carlton, Jeffrey? Oh, and then you have Janice, who was just a you-know-what. Where do you fit in, in, right. in, in, that, in that landscape? <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't, I, I don't think they ever made a character for me in, 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 in the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I don't think they ever made my character. Jazz would probably be the closest one because he's such an enigmatic character. You never know him from, from, from episode to episode what Jazz will bring to the table. But, um, I mean, as far as any kind of character, the character I, I always compare myself to is Django. You know, uh, when it comes down to, fighting back and I had enough. I got the opportunity to really go back and free y'all and piss them off and blow the building up at the same time. Mm-hmm. Cool. You know, yeah, let's do that. And then let's show you all y'all that we can go from county to county getting rid of all this, changing all this, even if we have to fight back. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, it's the whole Nat Turner thing all over again. You know what I'm saying? So I've built the reputation enough now where it's like, you know, basketball wise, I walk I walk into a, a a gym, they looking at me like I'm Suge Knight or somebody, like, oh gosh, who let him in? You know what I'm saying? So so I embrace that villain role now. And I understand what, what it's gonna take to make a change. So, you know, they look at me where at, at this point, why are you writing a book like this and why are you saying this and why are you saying that? That's that's the same thing as like why are you on that nag? Why are you up there on that horse? What make you think you can ride a horse? Mm-hmm. With the with with the white man, come on. How long is the book? Two hundred. Uh, yeah, two, it's about one. One ninety four. What's your favorite? One hundred ninety four thousand. My favorite chapter is chapter one, man. Chapter one, first quarter, page twenty three. Starts the Willie Lynch letter, hmm. and it gives you the history. It gives you the whole history of the Willie Lynch letter and where we are right now. This is the only chapter I would really suggest that everyone read, because if you can read it and get through it, reading the rest of the book is going to be a breeze. If you can't get through the first chapter, we know what kind of person you are. Hmm. In today's Modern athletes, um, do you feel that they need to be entrepreneurial or do you think that they should just shut up and dribble? <laughs> I don't think that not shutting up and dribble means you're an entrepreneur. I think you want more likes on your Instagram page. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because if you're going to do something, you're going to do it. You don't need nobody's permission to do it. You don't need nobody's likes or comments to do things. So. You know, I think a lot of people do things for show, and a lot of people don't do things for any acknowledgement at all. Like Amar Stoudemire, Jalen Rose, is a couple of people that I know personally and don't even promote. You know, all the good endeavors they do because it's not about getting any credit when you're doing good Scoop for the community. So, you know, all that is neither here nor there. But we out here trying to really uplift and, 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 and breathe a, a different type of life into people where they, they actually become owners. They stop being the workers and they become the owners. Do you think that that's a byproduct of the recession and the new, and the, and the new wave of owning things? Where do you think that that belief of ownership came from? Is it from watching Mike or was it from the recession? 
Um, I think it's just realizing that you don't have any options to do anything without somebody else's permission. I don't think it's an observation. I think it's more of an experience. The more people walk around and understand that they don't, they don't have the authority to do those things because it's somebody else's. So you walk around buying other people's things because you don't have your own. I make my own custom clothes and custom shoes. I might go out and buy some Nikes every now and again, but I have my own brand. Not not because I want to be fancy, but because I like having my own, not having to depend on anything else. What is the real education uh, for young black athletes? I would say for young black athletes, an education would be being a, an expert on and off the field in your craft, in your uh, career field. You know, if you're if you're a basketball player, not only being an a expert in your skill set and your craft, but also about the sport and the culture of it, the business of it, the life around it, everything about it. Do you think um, that with Jalen Rose setting the tone for a charter school and then LeBron setting a, 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 creating a school in the Akron, Ohio area, um, who do you th- where do you think is next um, that athletes need to create their own where, where do you think is the net what do you think is the next wave that the, of things that they'll do is it creating food is it creating uh, a curriculum is it creating a church i don't know what what do you think the next wave is for an athlete uh in that in that regard well i mean at some point it's like if we complain about things enough somebody's going to eventually come around and do something about it so at this point if we want to get out this whole racial dispel of the president and feeling like he's this and he's that against us. It's like creating your own. You don't even participate in those conversations. You know, we don't pay attention to those news, those news feeds that come about with, with, with racial slurs or bigotry or whatever you want to call it. People pay attention to what they watch all the time. So they want racism. They want negativity. They love that shit. So for us, it's like we don't want to create that. So if we have the opportunity to create our own, let's create a positive environment. Let's create positivity. So athletes have the ability with the money that they produce on, the, on a regular basis and annually to produce a positive environment for their culture. They just haven't done it yet because they want credit for it. They don't want to just come collectively with a group of people who have the same ideals that they do. They don't have any money. And come and say, look, do we have ideas too? Million dollar question. We debunked the myth, or that two, or rather the belief by Tupac that we he wouldn't live to see a well, he didn't live, but we live to see a black president. Mm-hmm. Since we've checked that off the to do list, do you ever see in our lifetime an athlete running? And winning the presidential race, and if so, who? LeBron James is the president already. Scoop, is he? He's been, what do you mean? LeBron James has the same training campaign that Obama has. They're best friends. Obama's training LeBron right now. Why do you think LeBron's coming forth with all this stuff, man? LeBron's running for president. He's going to run against Kanye. You think so? 
I mean, if I'm LeBron James, I already know I got a rapport with my friend. All I got to do is beat the Warriors. If he beats the Warriors, he can run for president. If he doesn't beat the Warriors, he got to run and hide for a few years. So this is the pressure he's under. But I feel like he can beat the Warriors. He can run for president, and he won't have to play basketball ever again. He can just pretty much arrest all of the Warrior players and then have the NBA be normal again. I think that's what he's going for. He goes to beat a president, and then he's going to arrest all of them and then make sure the NBA is never like that again. Scoop B Radio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.